Well, good morning, uh, Breakfast with the Broker, every Tuesday at 9 a.m. I hope everyone had a healthy, happy, healthy, and uh, prosperous New Year, and we uh, look forward to 2021. And I can't thank you uh, for all the viewers um, and all the support in 2020 and previously. Uh, we have a really, really special guest that I'm going to give a really, really proper intro. Um, and now, by way of Gulf Coast, Alabama, he is the CEO of the Zero to Diamond and author of the Zero to Diamond book and coaching group. He is the founder and owner of the Diamond Group at EXP Realty Gulf Shores. He is the home of the No Pressure Agent. He is an author, a coach, a national keynote speaker, an agent selling at least 100 homes every year since 2014, and he still has that teenage baby face. Roll Tide Roll. He is Ricky Caruth. What's up, dude? What's up? Roll Tide. <laughs> Roll Tide. You know, you know, and the funny thing is I didn't really plan this um, to do it in National Championship Week, but uh, it really worked out pretty well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's exciting, isn't it? Yes. No, it's awesome. So, you know, 2020, you know, people look at it and they, they say 2020. Oh, I wish, you know, uh, 2020 wasn't like the year that it was. And, you know, um, you know, we had COVID, we had all these things and da, 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 da. you know, some real estate agents had some of the best years ever um, in 2020. Tell us a little bit about 2020 and what you've learned from it. Man, I, you know, it's probably the same as everybody else. You know, um, you go into the new decade and you think, here we go. <laughs> 2020 is going to be on fire. Uh, you know, start of a start of a new and uh, boom. You know, you kind of get right hooked every time you turn around. But if you notice every single right hook uh, that you got hit with ended up being a really, really, really good thing. Um, you know, I know a lot of people lost their loved ones and stuff due to COVID and different stuff like that. So, you know, I couldn't even imagine that. Actually, quick, real quick personal story. Yesterday, uh, my dad hit 107 uh, temperature. I had to call the ambulance for him to go get him and take him to the hospital um, he tested positive and stuff and he, um, he, he's fine now. His temperature came back down, but man, that was a scary moment. So I just rushed up there really fast because I didn't know if that was going to be the last time I could, uh, you know, talk to him, you know what I mean? So, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's been a really, really crazy ride, but you know, taking all the personal stuff and anybody that had uh, lost loved ones, uh, out of the equation, not to, downplay that part whatsoever, but just moving over to the strictly business side of 2020. What an incredible year, right? I mean, I had my best year ever. I know a lot of people had their best year ever, um, you know, and, and there's a lot of people who sat on the sidelines and, uh, you know, um, used it as an excuse. I think there's a lot of people out there that are um, hate to see 2020 go because, of all the excuses that were going on in 2020, you know, all the, the, uh, the political stuff, all the, you know, the COVID, we had hurricanes down here, there were fires, there was all kinds of excuses you could use, but within all those different scenarios was so much opportunity, um, so much opportunity. And, uh, you know, when the, when the economy shut down and then opened back up, boom, the, the real estate market exploded. Um, you know, it was one of the most uh, incredible maze that we've ever seen in terms of a rebound. So, you know, um, I think it just, 
I don't know. It, it, it gave me a lot more confidence, right? It gave me a lot more confidence in myself and the market. You know, I always say closings happen every day, regardless of market conditions. So here we are in the middle of the pandemic, the, one of the scariest moments in the last hundred years. And we still had 80% of the same amount of people from the same time last year during the worst of the shutdown, no human to human contact. And still 80% of people were closing deals. And not only that, but putting properties under contract, making offers, negotiating and coming to terms and executing contract. 80% of the same amount of people from the year before on average across the country were still closing and putting properties under contract during that month and a half of complete shutdown that we had. So if that doesn't tell you anything about how resilient uh, the real estate market is, the market in general, right? Really all industries, you know, there's going to be ebbs and flows. And what I've realized is that if there's ever a, a down moment, it's just brewing up demand. <laughs> like it's just, it's just pinning up demand and we're about to hit, turn into a, uh, you know, it's about to explode. Right. So, you know, we had a hurricane hit here and it was pretty bad. Right. We were out of power here at my house for a week. Um, you know, it, it devastated a lot of people. Um, I didn't have any flooding personally, but there was a lot of people that flooded and uh, trees. I mean, it was crazy. So the market was completely shut down for three weeks. I mean, I didn't sell anything for three weeks. I didn't show property. I did nothing. Um, everybody was just kind of in shock and trying to recover. And, uh, you know, just another scary moment to add to 2020. But all it did was just uh, create more demand. I mean, as soon as as soon as we kind of got through that little, you know, when the market shifts, it just goes to show you when the market shifts, there's going to be a temporary downturn to the market because everybody's in shock and it just it takes and it's going to take you a second to readjust. And that's all it is, though. It's a temporary readjustment when the market shifts. Right. And then we're just trying to figure out, OK, now which which direction do we go in? We take a look at it. Everybody takes a deep breath and then boom, we're right back off to the races, regardless of what direction we're going in. You know, so I think 2020, you know, helped me be a lot more confident in myself in the market. And uh, I know it did for a lot of other people, too. And <laughs> I know everybody's really glad to see 2021. You know, it's it's weird, you, you know, and I look back at 2020 and I look at the agents that really had some of their best years ever. And, you know, you know, we always say, you know, listen, there's so much competition. There's 1.4, 1.5 million, you know, uh, realtors across the country, um, you know, uh, and, and we talk about 33 percent of, all, you know, all agents, you know, don't do a single de uh, deal in a year. And then we look at 2020. And we look at the people that really just said, hey, let's go. Let's, you know, um, let, let's help. Let's be part of the community. Let's participate. Um, you know, um, you know, you're, uh, you know, the hurricanes in, in Alabama, you know, you know, being out there and being part of the community. I mean, I, you know, you, you come together as a community, uh, you know, fortunate, unfortunate. I know a lot about hurricanes as well. And, you know, you know, we had hurricane parties, you know, we had sometimes I didn't see my neighbors, you know, I never met my neighbors, in, you know, in, in years. And, uh, you know, we come together and we help each other. And we, you know, we brush off people and we, and we, we go in and, and, and repair houses and all kinds of stuff, you know, that really brings in the community. And that's what realtors do. I mean, they participate in the community involvement. And, um, you know, the reason why agents, I think in 2020 had some of their best years ever was, um, 
like you said, the excuses. You know, listen, you could you could get consumed by those excuses. You could do nothing, um, or you could you know adapt and uh, as we say, pivot <laughs> in the, in 2020. But I think 2021 is a uh, uh, going to be turning out to be a great year. What do you think? Well, I, I think it's really interesting because a lot of the, like you say, there's two there's two groups. There's the groups that had their best year ever, and there's the groups that made excuses and really did nothing, right? And I think one of the reasons why people, uh, some people had their best year ever was because of two reasons. One, the market was great this year, right? There might have been some, you know, some some bigger ebbs and flows through the market this year than a normal year, but we had an incredible year in terms of number of transactions, prices, the whole nine yards. You know, inventory is at an all-time low <laughs> right now. I mean, it's got to be at an all-time low. Um, it's, it's, it's pretty, it's a pretty incredible situation, but here's the thing. The people that decided they were going to make this in 2020, an excuse and laid down actually opened up market share for the other agents. So on top of the market being incredible in 2020, um, there was also more market share on the table from the agents who wanted to make 2020 an excuse that these other agents like myself and others gobbled up, um, to, to turn around and have their best year ever. So uh, it's really interesting when you look at the dynamics and, and here, here's an interesting thing that I've, I've observed, right? The winners of the world and the losers of the world and the average people and the people that never hit those great milestones and live their dreams and all that good stuff. They're putting in the same amount of effort as the winners, as the champions, as the top producers, as the, the guys that make it to the top, the guys and girls. So, um, you're putting in the same amount of effort either way, right? The same amount of effort to get up and make excuses and think about it and overthink and not do and do other things. You're staying busy, you know, with things that aren't productive, saying that you're busy. You're using the same amount of energy. You're just doing the wrong stuff, you know? So we got to wake up. The people that aren't where they want to be, we need to wake up. And one of the problems is, is what you're doing on a daily basis you can't visualize those activities helping you get where you want to go. And that's why you're unhappy with where you are. However, if you're at the bottom and you're doing the activities that you know are going to get you where you need to be, um, then you're extremely happy, even though you're a low producer at the moment, because you know that's going to change over time. So we just got to wake up, man. 2021, we just need to wake up. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, waking up, you know, has a lot of different, you know, kind of connotations to it. Right. You know, um, you know, we always have kind of a default, right. We default back to, okay, we've, we're used to doing 10 transactions in a year, 20 transactions, 50, you know, whatever that number may be. And we tend to default, you know, how do we break through, you know, we've been doing, you know, like you said, you know, you've been doing a hundred transactions a year, you know, um, uh, since 2014, you know, and people look at it and go, wow, you know, I, I would love to do 100 transactions. But when you're doing 100, you want to do 200. When you're doing 200, you want to do 500, right? So how do you break through to that next level? What, what has to change? Well, a lot of people want to talk about the 100 deals, but they never want to talk about the 15 years, the 15 hours a day, the the, the 100,000 calls I had to make with my finger before there were ever a such thing as a dialer. The, the weekly email I sent out since 2007 to my entire database. Nobody wants to talk about any of that stuff. They just want to talk about it'd be great to sell 100 properties a year. So when you talk about breaking out, you know, everybody looks, thinks about breaking out of something that just happens all of a sudden and just boom, you just break out and then, then boom, you're on to the next level. But it really doesn't happen like that. It happens very slowly. 
right? It's a very slow process. It takes a lot of time and it builds, right? The breakout is after you've built for a long time and you've got up to a certain point, then you stop and you take a look at what you've built and you think, wow, look at where I'm at. That's your breakout moment. You know, there wasn't a moment that it just you just broke through. You slowly, gradually got to the top and then you took a second to take a deep breath and look around and say, wow, that's your breakthrough moment. Right. So I think that's one of the biggest things people need to understand. It's nothing that's going to happen uh, all of a sudden or you're going to work for five years. And then all of a sudden, boom, any of that stuff Um it's going to come down to what your rituals are, what your routines are. What are you doing on a daily basis? You know, successful people do the same thing every day for decades. Um, and so I think that's what it really boils down to. Once you've identified what those highest productive activities are and you understand how to scale your business, right? And you understand what the most uh, efficient uh, things to do are to, to build your business and to grow, Um you know, and then you go all in with those activities in a very ritual way, you know, and have a set routine um, that you stick to forever. So, I I mean, I've seen the light at the end of the tunnel for a long time. You know, I, I saw the light at the end of the tunnel to get to a million dollars a year and a hundred deals, you know, a year. I saw that light, you know, long before I hit it, you know, um, the coaching business, you know, I, I saw where I was going to hit. 40, 50,000 agents and have a seven figure business there a long time ago. Um, you know, so you see these little lights at the end of the tunnel. And the reason you see the lights at the end of the tunnel is because you know what you're doing now is going to get you to the end of the tunnel. And that's that's a big problem that we have out there with with some of the average agents that want to break through and be, you know, um, exponential. And that is they're not doing the things that they know they need to do to grow. They're trying to do everything else but the things they know that they need to do to grow. And here's the here's the thing. Here's the punchline, bro. I can't do it for them. Nobody can do it for them. They have to make the decision that they're going to do this. Right. And that they have to do it. Nobody can do it for them. Nobody's going to build their dreams for them. Nobody's going to do anything for them. They have to wake up every day and say, I'm going to do this because this is who I want to be in the next three to five years. You know, so I don't believe in breakthrough moments. I believe that you that you build it slowly over time and then you take a deep breath once you're at the top and say, here we are, boys. You know, here's our breakthrough moment. So uh, are you saying like trust the process? <laughs> well, well, yeah, well, well, there's a fine line there, right? Because some people, right, they do the same activities over and over and over again for years that never produce anything and they never switch it up, right? There's this little thing called adapting, okay, that is part of the process. It's not taking something that worked for someone else and then just hammering it home for three years, even though you see no results, right? You, there, there's this part of the process called adapting. Right. And if you don't trust the pro, I mean, you trust the process. Sure. But trust the process and go all in. Once you found what works for you, what worked for someone else might not work for you. And so you, you have to you have to figure out what that is through trial and error. Right. You have to test things out. Always be testing. Always be figuring things out. Always be trying to hack the system and trying to figure out what your strengths are, what your weakness are, what works for you, what doesn't work for you. And then go all in. So that's the process. Uh, you know, there's a fine line. There's a lot of people who are like, Ricky, I'm making the calls. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. I'm writing the letters. 
I'm showing up every day. I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. No, you're not because you've been doing it for three years. You have zero sales, zero listings, and um, you're, you're not, uh, you're not trying new things. <laughs> you're not bouncing other, other activities. You're not tweaking. You're not doing anything to try to adapt. You're just chalking it up to Ricky. I'm giving it all I have. And I'm, I'm, I'm doing these activities that I know I'm supposed to do. That's, that's, that's only part of it. The other part is tweaking along the way, adapting through the market. You know what I mean? So Trusting the process is one thing, but adapting and being agile and, and flexible is another. How, um, how long are you supposed to, you know, kind of, all right, so you, you start with a new activity or you, you're starting to adapt or adjust on certain things. How long are you supposed to give it? You know, um, you, know are, you know, let's say prospecting, right? So if you're prospecting, yeah, yeah. You, never, you never cold called before, you know, are you supposed to cold call for three months, six months? You know, before, you know, you, you say, you know what, this isn't working or my message isn't being received. Well, maybe I need to change up the dialogue. Immediately, you should be yeah. adapting. You should the adapt the, the adaption process to start day one. You know, you should take your day one and get a certain feeling in your mind and say, you know what, I'm going to tweak this tomorrow and see what happens. And the next day you're going to tweak that a little bit, see what happens. The next day you're going to tweak this and see what happens. The, the adaption process should start day one, right? That shouldn't, you should always be adapting and trying new things and stuff. You know, you, you, you think about an activity, you know, how long do you try this activity before you give up on it? Well, here's the thing, you know, we should have two or three activities that we're testing, right? We should have two or three activities that we're testing at all times. A lot of people just hammer one thing. It doesn't work. They keep hammering it. You know, let's try a couple things at once, right? We find one of those things that work really well. We go all in with that while we're still testing out a couple more things. Boom, we find something else. We add that to the first one. Now we got two things that work really well. Okay, now we're still testing out two or three things. Boom, we find another. Boom, we add that to, and now we have our top three things that work extremely well that we can go all in on, and we're okay with three things. We don't need four. Right. So then what do we do? We're going to continue adapting and tweaking with what we're doing until we get to a nice momentum in our business where we can open ourselves up for more time to test more things out. Right. Yeah. I mean, too often, I think agents, the biggest mistake that they seem to make is that they start to work on their weaknesses rather than working um, to master their strengths. And a lot of times their weaknesses, um, you know, if if they're not good on the phone, let's say, you know, um, they spend countless hours to try. Well, someone told me cold calling is uh, vital to my business, so I need to do that. Uh, what would your advice be to those agents that are just, you know, hammering in the cold calling, just not having the success? Well, like I've been saying, you need to adapt, uh, adapt along the way. Um, OK, so here, here's the bottom line. OK, in real estate, I don't care where you get your leads from. You know, it can be Zillow, Realtor.com, Facebook, open houses, direct mail. You met them somewhere. Uh, referrals, sphere of influence. Um, you know, I, I don't know. You know, out of all the lead sources out there, okay, it's always going to come back to talking to them on the phone. Okay, it's going to come back to talking to them on the phone. So when you get a Zillow lead, the first thing you got to do is call them. Realtor.com, you got to call them. You go to an open house, you get a list of all the attendees. What are you going to do the next day? You're going to call them. You know, you get a referral, you call them. Sphere of influence, you call them. It's everything comes back to calling, right? 
So <laughs> that's the first thing you need to understand as a real estate agent is that everything goes back to calling, right? Every closing is a result, right? Of a relationship that was created voice to voice. Okay. Now you may have met them online. They may see some videos. Social media is amazing. It warms people up and then boom, once, but you got to talk to them though. It all, it's all going to funnel back to talking to them. Okay. Regardless what avenue you try to take, it's all going to come back to the same place, talking to them on the phone to try to create that relationship. So if that is the case, if all closings are a result of a, of a relationship that, that converted into a transaction through voice to voice communication, then we have to understand that our number one highest productive activity is talking to people on the phone. Whether it's, it could be Zillow leads. I mean, I'm not saying cold call. It could be online leads, social media leads. I don't care where the leads come from, right? You've, it, the, the more you're on the phone, the more deals you're going to do, right? Checking on people, seeing how they're doing, see what you can do to help them. Let them know who you are, what you do, and you're here to help, right? And continue to build that brand around being a hard worker. When people, when people pick up the phone and they hear your voice, um, you know, and you start talking to them and you're confident, you're professional, right? They, they start to recognize you as a hard worker. I mean, how many agents bang the phones? Not very many as a, as a percentage. Okay. So when they realize that you're one of those, okay, that puts you in a different class. Now you're, you're looked at as a hard, one of the harder workers of the industry and they start to grow respect for you. So, you know, you, you have to get good at the phone, Okay, but if you're not if you're not going to be good at the phone, I mean, this isn't going to work. I mean, that's just the bottom line. So if it's not working, right, then, then what do we have to do? We have to continue practicing. How do we practice? What do we do? How do we practice? By calling more people. <laughs> There's only one way to practice, and that's to call people and talk to them. And here's the thing: take a lot of pressure off your shoulders by realizing that we're not here to sell people. Okay. Buyers and sellers are already buying and selling properties every day. Okay. We don't have to try to get them to do anything. They're already doing it. Whether they're going to do it today, tomorrow, next week, next month, next year, five years, 10 years, they're already doing it. The wheels are already in motion. They don't need us as agents to step in and say, you should do it now. Would you do it now if? Who do you know that might do something now? And everything comes back to now. Right. What can the prospects do for the agent? But what I'm saying is, is we don't have to force them. They're already doing it. Our job is not to get people to buy or sell. Our job is to make people feel comfortable with us. Right. And create that working relationship where they feel comfortable with us enough to choose us as their agent when to do <laughs> to help them do what they're already going to do. Right. They're already going to do it. So. I think that's something big when you think about cold calling and calling in general for real estate agents. There's a lot of pressure out there because all the mainstream training is focused more on how to get business right now, right? How to figure out motivation and try to get them to do deal right now. Um, and I think that if they'll reverse that and think about stand behind their intentions that they're there to actually help people and then back that up with actually their words and how they're talking to people and actually represent who they are as a person, um, then I think that a lot of pressure will come off those agents that are worried about making calls and stuff and realize, hey, this is fun. I'm just out here helping people. How many people can I talk to today? It doesn't matter if you do a deal, right? The, what you should get excited about in a call session is how many great conversations did you have? How many really good conversations did you have with people in your market who now know who you are 
and you had a real conversation. You know, you talked about real stuff. You related to them about things going on in their life or this or that. Um, you know, that sells. You know, that's real estate. Yeah. I mean, I guess uh, I guess that if you want to be a successful realtor, you actually have to talk to people, um, which is crazy. I know. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, let's talk a little bit about, um, you know, the the social media kind of new app. I, I know we talked uh, briefly off off air about Clubhouse um, and I guess Clubhouse is only iOS. But, um, you know, platforms like Clubhouse, because, you know, are, are more audio based. Right. So everything is, you know, it's kind of it's weird because it, it was all video is all video all the time. And it still is. But. You know, I, I read a statistic that 85 percent of all videos are actually seen, you know, with with the sound off. Um, you know, are apps like this, uh, you know, going to be good for the real estate community? Good, good for, you know, people you think people are going to embrace this? Yeah, I do. I mean, they're already embracing it. Right. I'm getting messages left and right. People trying to invite me to the app and I can't join because I got an Android. <laughs> and it's not, it's not on Google Play yet. Um, so my wife has an iPhone. I'm charging it in there right now. And I'm going to jump on. I've had like, I don't know how many people, dozens of people invite me. So I don't even know what it is, to be honest with you. I know very little. Um, I know that it's something that to do with audio. I'm going to get in there. Evidently, a lot of people think I'm going to crush it. So that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to get in there and see what I can do to crush it. I love the idea. Sounds like it's a social media based around audio. Um, you know, I don't know if there's picture. I don't know if you can do video. I'm gu I guess not based on what everybody's telling me. So I'm really excited to dive in there and see what happens because I do think I can bring a lot of value. Uh, you know, I, I love audio. I mean, I post a podcast every single day and I've done so for a long, long time now. Um, and, um, you know, uh, I, I love that. Like I wish most of my following would actually listen to my podcast you know, um, because there's so much value. Uh, there's so much value. I think that's probably the most value I bring is my podcast. What's, um, uh, how can they listen? How can they subscribe and how can they listen to your podcast? Me up on iTunes, SoundCloud, any of, any of the platforms, any of them, Spotify, Stitcher, uh, any of them, just look up Ricky Cruth or zero to diamond podcast. Okay. Um, yeah, it's there. Um, but yeah, no, I'm excited to dive in. I think it is going to be good for everyone um, just to continue to build their brand. It's a, it's another avenue to build your, build your brand. Um, you know, so I mean, we, we talk about, you know, you, you talked about talking, you know, to, you know, basically getting on the phone, having more conversations, having those meaningful conversations, Yeah. Well, um, you know, and, and I'm still trying to get on clubhouse for about a week now. I haven't got my invite yet, but, um, you know, when when you, you do get the invite, from what I understand, I mean, it's basically real time conversations. You're having rooms of real time conversations. So mm -hmm. imagine having instead of one on one conversations, you know, ha doing, a, you know, you know, a first time homebuyer seminars, and all kinds of crazy things that mm -hmm. you can really, uh, you know, really uh, take advantage of this. So um, I'm yeah. looking forward yeah. to getting on that as well. So, um, you know, I know, uh, you know, I appreciate your time and I always end my um you know, uh, end the show on uh, two questions, right? So um, my last two questions. One is, what's your favorite streaming series of all time? Um, and what are you currently watching? Like TV? 
I like Netflix or Hulu, that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like TV. Yeah. Oh yeah. man, I don't even. I'm not even into it, bro. Yeah. Really? Cool. Yeah. We wow. watch. We watch. Uh, we watch some of the murder mystery shows. Uh, you know, Datelines and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, you know, um, stuff like man. That that's really about it, man. We. Uh, <laughs> dude, I'm grinding, bro. I'm not watching TV. What about a? That's awesome. What what a favorite? What about a favorite book? Favorite book, The Slide Edge. Slide Edge, okay. Jeff awesome. Alton, The Slide Edge. I, t- I tell you, I tell you what, I've been watching a little bit here lately. Uh, you know, um, I get a little moment. I started recording old Seinfeld episodes, so I have like entire, I have entire uh, series of uh, of Seinfeld on my uh, so saved on my DVR, and uh, I've been popping that on here and there. So there you go. <laughs> what's your favorite show Seinfeld, Seinfeld. Dude, that's hilarious, Seinfeld. Man. what's your Seinfeld which do you have a favorite Seinfeld uh, episode man all of them are good you know it's one of those shows like if you miss just a couple seconds you got to re- if you like somebody says something you got to rewind it because you missed some some moment I mean every single second is there's some kind of twist or oh, <laughs> something you have to see you want to understand what's going on if you don't, you know? So that's why I like it. It, it keeps you engaged, you know? And I, I like that because it kind of helps me understand, you know, how I need to try to keep people engaged. You know what I mean? So. Well, my, my favorite is master of your domain. I think though it's freaking great, but uh, Ricky, I can't thank you enough for coming on and, and I appreciate it very much. Um, obviously uh, Ricky's everywhere. He's um, on Instagram. He's on um Facebook. He's on, uh, he has his uh, podcast, uh, Zero to Diamond and uh, his Zero to Diamond coaching. I have a lot of friends in that and I think that uh, uh, they're doing phenomenally well. So um, if you're looking at a coach, uh, Ricky is a a phenomenal coach, um, as you can see. So uh, certainly appreciate it, Ricky. Have a great week. Have a great uh, 2021 and and roll tide roll. (laughs) Thank you, bro. Enjoyed it. Enjoyed it. Thanks a lot. Breakfast with the Broker every Tuesday morning at 9 a.m. We'll see you next week with a special guest. Thanks, guys.